Apex Protection Project. Who are they? Well, they're made up of Steve Wistel, Paula Ficaro, eight wolf dogs, and a very wonderful pit bull. They're advocates, educators, and rescuers. Apex Protection Project educates children and adults about wolves, wolf dogs, and the coolest part is you can run with the pack. Truthfully, they're amazing people doing amazing things, and they're simply a blast to talk to. That's why I have a two-part interview with Stephen Paula. Part one of the interview will cover advocacy and education, Sedona Wolf Week, the pack, and how these two became wolf advocates. Hang tight. It's going to be a great hour. I am so stoked, finally, to be able to sit back and talk to you guys. I have Steve Westell and Paula Ficaro with Apex Protection uh, uh, Project on with me today. And you guys, thank you again. I know you're so busy, and you finally found some time to, to hang out with me, and I'm so excited to sit back with you. So... Anything for you, Kim. Oh, I <laughs> so love happy to do it. Sound of that. That makes me happy knowing that you're you're stuck in a room with <laughs> with wine with each other. and each other and and no pups. <laughs> but it, you got to have wine. It's really important. That's kind of like a staple when you talk to me. I think is alcohol. But that's a good thing. So well, thanks. So literally, what I want to do tonight is I we've, there's so many things we could talk about. I mean, you guys have your hands in so many different things, but your advocates, your rescuers, you know, you've got so many things going on, your educators. And my main question, because it just cracks me up more than anything else, but it's kind of like a bad joke. You know, how did an actor, a magician, a bartender, and a beautiful actress end up becoming wolf advocates? <laughs> Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much fun. Yeah, it's um how you know um I don't from my perspective it just was you know it's one of those journeys that you go on that you, you don't really know you're going on. I think I think life has um a plan for us sometimes, and we just don't know it. <laughs> And no, we did not expect to live in the middle of nowhere with a pack of wolves. That was not our mission in life or our goal or anything that we'd even thought about. Um, we, 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 we do some corporate trainings with a gentleman called Philip Falsam, um, and he teaches people, corporations, how to work together as a uh, based on a wolf pack, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things he teaches is what's called the hero's journey, and it's the journey that you know all of the main movies are made out of star wars all of that you know and it's, it's like we all have that journey we all have a hero's journey and, and most of us don't expect or want to go on it and somehow life just kind of pushes you in that direction i think i think that's what happened to us we just got pushed in that direction and and now that we're here you realize that this is exactly where we're supposed to be yeah, it was it was just so fascinating because we I was bartending um and and you know a struggling actor in LA and this guy came into the bar one day with a friend of his and after talking for 5 minutes he goes, "You know what you would really like?" And he told me about this sanctuary where you could, you know, hike with wolves. And I was just fascinated because I've loved wolves since I was a little girl. I'm that kid. Yeah. And 
So I ran home and I told Steve and I said, we've got to tell our friends, Vernon and Grace. Oh my God, they've got to come with us. And um, we looked them up online. We were all excited. And so um, uh, two days later, we went over to their office and I walked in the door really excited to say, you know, hey, have you heard it? The minute, before I could even open my mouth, Vernon goes, hey, have you heard about this wolf sanctuary that you can do hikes? And I literally just looked up at the sky and wow. I went, all right, I'm listening. And um, I had this online e-zine. It was kind of a, a lifestyle magazine for women over 40. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how fun to do an interview with the director and, you know, for like a whole women who run with the wolves thing, you know, get women in a, in the Los Angeles area excited. So I went up there and Steve came with me and we interviewed him. And at the very end, we were so smitten with all the animals and with the whole idea of it. We said, all right, how can we volunteer? And he goes, Sundays are open. So we went, oh, okay. So he handed <laughs> us these keys and said, show up on Sunday. So we show up on Sunday and we're waiting and we're waiting for someone to meet us and let us in and kind of show us how to do everything. And nobody showed up. So we looked at each other and we were kind of like, uh. Well, I guess we've got to feed. So. Uh, <laughs> so you just took over. And, just and we had, they had kind of like explained it to us yeah, before, kind of but showed what to we do, really but... didn't have any idea oh what we God. were doing. You were literally thrown to the wolves almost, right? Oh, yeah. we literally were. Yeah. And so we did our best. And we became we fell so in love with these animals and and you know getting to know them intimately and discovering who they really are and all of the myths being you know dispelled and and we just became really passionate about wanting to save them in the wild as well and we started well let me just go back to that we started volunteering one day a week and then it was two days a week <laughs> and then it was three days a week and then we we're getting coming late for work and i'd be at an audition for for mop and glow with a bunch of screaming children around me looking at my watch going oh my god when i can i get out of here and get back to the wolves oh god, and that's, that's when the light bulb went off and i realized all right you got a new path to follow here and, and ultimately uh, our, our our normal life just started to morph over the a course of six and a half almost seven years i mean we became the first employees there and uh we volunteered there for a long, long time, and you know it was like the school of hard knocks. We learned, we learned the hard way about how to do everything, um, because no one there it was a very, very new organization, and no one really knew exactly what they were doing. Um, and we learned as we went, and we helped to build this organization into a really huge, wonderful organization that it is today. And then we decided that we had a slightly different mission at one point and decided to move on and start our own organization. And that was almost five years ago now. So um, that's how Apex was born. It started off as, as technically an advocacy organization. I was still working at the other place while Paula started building Apex. We were not planning on being a rescue in the not beginning. Not in the beginning. We wanted to just focus on advocacy and thought, oh, maybe down the road we'd actually start a sanctuary. But we had worked for so many years with so many different kinds of wolves and wolf dogs who had, you know, a lot of different issues. And we put a lot of study and work into socializing and rehabilitation. And uh, so people kind of knew who we were. So the minute they found out that we had started a new organization, they immediately were like, can you take this animal? Can you take this animal? Can you take this animal? And you know it's really hard to say no. 
And so that's next kinda, thing we knew, we're, is that how you basically ended up with these animals? I mean, it wasn't like you. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. And we're on, we're on a rental property, so we started building kennels, and we were like, well, we'll just rescue a few of these guys, as you know, to help out. And one day our landlord shows up. Oh no! <laughs> and he walks up, kind of. <laughs> he goes. He literally like we're like, oh hi, and he looks at us and he looks at all the enclosures and he's like, uh, guys, what you doing? And we were like, um, wolf rescue, wolf rescue. <laughs> and it felt like eternity that he stood there staring at them, and we were oh, like, no. oh shit, we're in trouble. And finally, he goes, cool. Oh, that's <laughs> we were like, awesome. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That so, yeah, so I mean, we, we kind of jumped a big piece there, We, you know, getting here. But we were living in a, a one-bedroom apartment in Sherman Oaks, California. And uh, we had uh, we had rescued Taboo, who's our alpha, and she's nine, 10 now. She just, she's, yeah, she's 10. She's 10 now. Um, when she was a year old, we rescued her, and that was an epic long story. But um, she was a, a wild thing, and she had a lot of uh, what – we, we term fear aggression, which means she's a, she was afraid of everything and, and she couldn't run away because she was on a leash, so she wanted to attack everything that mm-hmm. she she seen, you know, and she was dubbed aggressive by some people, but we, we had a different philosophy on it. We didn't know what that was at the time, and now we've learned that it was fear aggression. We um, were really new back then, too. We'd only been volunteering for about a year, so we were still really learning and and very yeah we were really novices at that yeah and our whole our whole mission in life at that point was really to find taboo a friend because she had no friend she wanted to attack every single animal at the sanctuary she couldn't play with anyone she couldn't walk with anyone she couldn't do anything she dragged paul oh literally God. on her back oh like gosh. a pony in a cowboy movie paula would be dragged there's several times where i'd be like oh there goes my wife and she'd <laughs> Just go whizzing by on her back with Taboo <laughs> pulling her, trying so to attack taboo another is, animal. Taboo was basically your first rescue. I mean, if you think well, yeah. about it. Yeah, it was our first personal, our first personal rescue. Like, Paula and I went out and, uh, in, in a Mustang um, <laughs> because there was a, we didn't go out to rescue in a Mustang. We went out to try and find her because apparently she'd been tied up in the backyard of a house and the people had moved out. That wasn't the oh entire story. The, the people had been foreclosed on it and he hadn't moved out yet, but they were moving out. And if I told you the whole story, it would take up the whole podcast. So I'm telling you an abbreviated story. But we eventually found her, and because the woman who told us about her would not give us the address because she didn't want to get in trouble. She didn't want to get in trouble for tattling. For tattling. Yeah. So we found her, and the guy said immediately, Can you take her now? And we had a Mustang at the time, and we were such rookies. I mean, these days, we would never take a new animal in the backseat of a car. <laughs> you know, you never know what could happen. But we were like, sure. Um, lucky for us, she was really friendly with humans, um, and she all she had was incredible gas in the back of the car. So that, that was the worst thing to have. <laughs> and, and I was back there with her, so she gassed me out. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so our whole Mustang. mission was really to find this beautiful animal, a friend. And we studied with a lot of people. We paid a lot of money to study with some people that were on Caesar's show. They were dubbed experts and, and not so much in the end. But um, we, we we read a lot of books, and we finally found a person who's now on our advisory board called Nicole Wild, and she's one of the leading experts on, on working with wolf dogs and has written a, a bunch of books about them. So we we talked to her a lot on the phone and read her book. And 
you know, it was a year, year and a half before, I mean, Paula and I literally slept separately. She slept in the living room, or I slept in the living room. We switched back and forth on the sofa bed, and one of us slept with the cats in the bedroom, and we had this chain-link gate bolted into our little one-bedroom apartment wall to kind of block her from Separate, getting... yeah, to separate, to divide the apartment in half. So that she could be exposed to the cats in a safe way. And luckily, she wasn't a jumper or climber, so she didn't go over it. But um, we had to be really careful in the beginning as we were getting to know her because we didn't we didn't know what she's going to do. she would just go crazy when she saw the cats. So we spent a year and a half taking her to every place where there were tons of dogs on a leash so that she could get exposed to them. And... You know, we literally, um, we would feed the cats at the other side of the room down the hallway where she could just about see them. And over a period of a year and a half, we would move their bowls closer and closer to the gate. So eventually they were eating at each side of the gate. And we would take her to the to the dog parks, but walk around the outside of the dog parks. We would take her to this popular hiking place called Running and Canyon, and Paula would walk ahead of me. Oh my gosh! And and you know this is like where experienced everyday dog walkers take their dogs in LA to hike, and we were the jerks every day hiking with this 90 pound beast flailing herself at the end of this leash trying to get it and i'm running up ahead of steve preparing everybody going we're working with her we're socializing her and it was really embarrassing at first but as time (laughs) progressed and we we did this every single day so as time progressed everybody got to know us and everybody started really rooting for taboo and it got to the point where they were like hey is it okay if buster meets her yet we're like no not yet not yet and uh, one day i said to paula i said one day we're going to walk through Runyon Canyon and taboo with up will be off leash. And we laughed. We talked about getting a house that was divided down the middle so the cats could live on one <laughs> side and she could live on the other. I mean, there was all of this planning. And then a year and a half later, she was walking through Runyon Canyon off leash, meeting all the dogs. And, and I said to Paula, do you remember a year and a half ago standing in this spot saying this? And that was really the beginning of... We, you know, imagined that we were teaching taboo everything, but taboo was actually teaching us everything that we knew. And so when we when we left the other place and, and started our own sanctuary, we were we had an experience that a lot of people didn't have, even if they worked with them a lot, because we were hands on every single day with this this wild thing that has now become, you know, the alpha of our pack and she's this beautifully balanced wonderful wonderful wise alpha and she's a great mom to the entire pack and she's literally adopted them all wow she is a gorgeous gorgeous girl and she's sweet yeah, she is. which is really funny i mean you know i've i've got a couple of dogs and, and i do that every time we walk i've got ollie on one lead and every time he sees another dog it's like oh i'm gonna tear you apart and i'm like oh god I'm <laughs> so uh, what i'm learning now is that just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. So patience is yeah. what Taboo has taught you, is patience yeah. and understanding, which is kind of sweet. And, and a bag great. full of treats. And <laughs> also, <laughs> that's what I... get a bag I, full of hot dogs. That helps, too. <laughs> that's amazing. Food, that's what makes me happy. I'll pretty much do all kinds of tricks with food. That's just how that works. So, so you guys learned more as you went. So it's not as if... Um, I mean, obviously... You had experience prior, but it was very, my, you know, very little experience. So what you learned 
as you started Apex is everything. I mean, you just did it as you went, and it's only been oh, yeah. think about it, it's only been five years, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and and looking back, that's honestly, I'm grateful we did because we really learned. That's you know, that's one of the best ways to learn. I mean, luckily none of the mistakes ended up in a serious situation where anybody was hurt or anything like that. Um, but, you know, to just school of hard knocks, just go and, and just do your best and learn that way. And, um, yeah, I mean, at least that way you can see the good and the bad. Like if you make a mistake, what can possibly happen? What could have happened? Yeah. You certainly won't do it again, or you'll definitely change your method. Well, what you so. guys are doing is definitely not something for, um, it's not for everybody, and it shouldn't be for everybody. You don't think so? <laughs> <laughs> really? Listen, I'm probably one of the greatest lovers of animals, and and you know how much I love wolves and and dogs in general. I'm 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 stupid over the you know, people. That's different. Animals are everything to me. But no, no, no. You guys have to, and I want to get this out there truthfully, what you guys do is amazing, and it's really insane because I've watched you work a little bit, just, you know, like <laughs> Sedona and stuff like that. I'm like, mm-mm, nope, because it's 24-7 commitment. There's, yeah. no, there's no time off. I mean, there's really, it is 24-7 commitment. So when you talk about doctor dates where you literally need to make sure <laughs> that you guys have just a few hours so that you can take care of your own personal needs. This is not for the faint of heart and it's not for everybody. And it can be dangerous, especially with, you know, some of the rescuing, which we'll get into in a, a later, but you know, you guys have done some pretty, pretty awesome stuff. And so when you said in the beginning, you helped them really, you know, the, the, the past sanctuary, you helped them create a really great, you know, a nice organization, but you guys had a different idea right? So how did you design Apex differently than other wolf rescue education advocacy organizations? And you said you weren't really planning on that in the beginning, but what separated Apex from everybody else? I think because we, we came from a different, you know, looking back now, we didn't realize it's only been recently that we've kind of looked at where we're at now and seen, oh, yeah, it's a bit different. And I think it's the background that we come from. You know, we we, we came from um, a performance background. And a hospitality background. Hospitality background. And these are the things that mean a lot to us. Steve was a sommelier. Um, and so the things that we were pursuing before, you know, we – we love and it's been so much fun being able to bring it in and utilize those skills in raising awareness for this purpose so we've really been able to kind of bring all of it together in this weird eclectic way and it's worked so bringing in the hospitality the public speaking the the socializing the you know it's just the way that we pursue it is almost as if you know, when when you're when you're um, an actor, especially a theater actor, and you work in restaurants and bars, it's a very family style kind of environment. All those environments are very similar, and that's kind of what we've brought here is the same kind of family style environment where we really want to take care of people. We welcome people into our home. We want them to feel 
really welcome and, and cared for, and we want the experience to be really special and intimate and um, and to share it in a way that is a little different than if you were to go on a tour at a zoo. It, it's just... Um, it's just our style, and we've just brought our style to our mission. I think that, um, you know, people, um, people, people learn more, I think, when they're having fun and they're really engaged. I, I think we all know that now, and that some of the modern ways of teaching, you know, with kids and stuff is to really engage them and let them have fun and play games and, and really learn. And I think what, what has come from... One, you know, a lot of people that go into animal rescue generally do it because they're not crazy about people. And that's fine because, you know, sometimes I'm not crazy about people either. But <laughs> but we are we are people people. I mean, we, we worked around people. I'm an entertainer. Paul's an entertainer. We work in hospitality because, of course, when you're a actor in L.A., you end up working in a restaurant for a good part of your time. You know, but we've also had training to to look at life from different perspectives because we're actors and you have to, and you have to study people and personalities and, and all of that and all of what Paula said, you know, um, bringing that together into our presentations, I, we always call them a show. We want it to be a show for the kids. So it's not just science and learning about wolves, but, you know, we start our presentations out by playing a howl. And all the kids start, you know, like, you know, you can hear it and, and, you know, you can hear them start to whisper and stuff like that. And then we stop it. We go, what's that? So like a howl, 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 you know, so we get them going right away. And, and I think engaging people and then, you know, there's a lot of hard facts, obviously, as you know, and we all know in advocacy and you can beat people over the head with them all the time. But if you engage them in how to love these creatures and who these creatures really are, then they're more willing to want to save them, right? So our whole philosophy is about bringing people, like Paula said, into our home. We don't do large groups on our tours. It's how we make money when we do our tours, but it's also educational for everybody. They, we hopefully leave they leave as advocates. And the way that we, we hope to do that, I mean, we could make a ton of money by bringing a ton of people here, but one, it's not engaging for the people. Two, it's overwhelming for, for our pack. And, and that's our most important thing is that the pack doesn't get overwhelmed, that they enjoy themselves every single time. So not only are the people enjoying themselves, but the pack are enjoying themselves. We do small groups where people come and they meet them one-on-one -on -one and they learn about each one as well as they're learning about wolves in the wild, you know, Sarge is, is black and he looks like a lot of the, the, the animals in the, in the junction pew pack, pack. So yeah. we'll talk about the black fur. We'll talk about the junction pew pack. So it all gets, everything gets put into a presentation, but it's not really a presentation. It's more of a conversation experience. And, yeah. and so that's, it's all come from, like Paula said, our background and, and, you know, just the philosophy of people wanting to be engaged, but not being, you know, talked at, you know, then facts and facts and facts are not really fun for people. And like we've seen, like, on social media, I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, there's so many things going on out there that are just horrendous. And, you know, yes, you do have to share that information. And oftentimes when you're working on a mission and you need to raise money, that's sometimes the stuff that you've got to share with, with your donors. But to be honest, there's so much going on out there that, that there's this huge <clears throat> there's this huge burnout going on. It's a disconnect. Amongst, 
I mean, just people are so yeah. burned out right now from all the negativity mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that's going on that's just awful that if you just keep bombarding them with that, it, it just shuts them down. Yes. And so there's got to be an element of hope. Mm. And that's what we try to to offer. Yes, this is going on, but there is hope and there is beauty. And and together we can make a difference. And that's kind of where we, where we start from. Well, I noticed you guys, so you do a lot of, um, obviously at your place, um, you guys are right outside of L.A., right? Yep. Am I correct? Yep. So you do some 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 you do your tours uh, at, at the place so people can go out and and kind of uh, really keep an eye on and and kind of be um, uh, kind of intermingle with the pack. And you have seven. Is that we right? We have eight. Eight. Eight now. Eight. eight. Oh, that's right. Well, seven and a half. Ryder's tiny. You're just a <laughs> baby. She's a, she's she's a, a hobbit. She, and, and the thing about Ryder is there's a whole other story with Ryder, which obviously we'll get into in a bit as well. But so yeah. you have eight or seven and a half, however you want to look at it. <laughs> and and so they can go out and they can kind of engage as well as, as um, like you said, they're learning, but they're doing it in a really nice, soft way. Which is oh, awesome. Yeah. Plus, you guys also go to schools and you do presentations for kids. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And that, to me, in and of itself, I mean, I think we all agree that, you know, the kids are the future. We need to make sure that they grasp this. Like you said, everything's really hard now. And I look at things um, and I see a disconnect and I see a shutdown. And I, I think from those of us who are pretty um, empathetic in general, we see a lot of apathy in in, uh, in the world yeah. now, and I see that yeah. you know, and and it makes I mean it's hard. There's so much information, and we're bombarded with it. And so I look yeah. at kids, and it's it's almost as if there's a portion of life that sh- they can be shut off from because of all this. And so yeah. when you yeah. can bring nature to them, sometimes they want to get into nature, and and yeah. and to be able to help save it. So. That to me is probably one of the most epic things that I've watched with you guys um, is that, you know, that ability to bring these kids in and to watch their faces and and to know there's a certain moment when you see a kid who is involved with another animal and there's something that just snaps within them. And you know at that moment, you know, that that you got them, that they get it. Yeah. And kids get yep. things so much better than, than we adults do. And so I have, I, I, I can, I've seen it in Sedona with kids and you guys. So I can only imagine how it is and how you see things in their schools or, you know, in the programs that you put on. Um, how, <laughs> I don't know how else to say this, but as you guys are, in my opinion, you're a very effective advocacy group. Um, in advocacy, rescue, and all that, but in advocacy and education, I think you're phenomenal. Um, just, just, Thank just speaking of that alone, because of how you do reach these kids in our future, and that's kind of where we. I think that's where you know, even with advocacy, um, that's our strength is the education, and so that's what we focus on a lot because we, I, we agree with you 100 percent that our youth is pertinent. If if we don't. If we don't start educating them now and getting them passionate, then wild, our wildlife is in big trouble. Our yeah. planet is in big trouble. Uh, and that's why we do all of our school presentations for free, you know, because a lot of schools can't afford it. Um, right. And 
We don't want any school to say, oh, no, we can't afford you to come. We want to get in front of your kids. We'll do it for free. You know, and that's yeah, and we reached 3,000 kids last year because of that. So, but, you know, a lot of kids. Oh, go ahead, Kim. No, that's okay. What I really want to just, I want to put this out there for folks is that you really, I really want everybody to actually, um, I'm going to probably put this out there a few times, but you have to go to their website so you can see the, the, the animals for one and, and, and you know, who, who Paula and Steve are, but where they've gone, what they're doing, there's so much. And you can also go there and um, that's where they can find out how to come out and see you guys, right? how to donate yeah, yeah. um it's yep. apexprotectionproject.org so yes. look that up because um i can't stress enough the amount of time that they spend and the amount of money it takes to do what they do so it's I just more had than to, we ever imagined. Yeah. <laughs> That's for it's, sure. It's not like going down to the local, you know, pet store and buying some dog food and coming home and throwing it in there and then going to work and no. This is twenty four seven and it's expensive. And the expenses um really heat up when we start looking at the other things that you do as well. But um I, I really question I, I want to get back to the education aspect, so I apologize for getting off of that. But when I look at you know, you're talking about doing um, you know, these, these presentations in front of kids in California and Arizona and, you know, those neighboring communities, how do you feel, hmm, how can we reach kids that are in negatively influenced areas? And I can say places like areas like in Montana and Steve, you're well aware of places like Darby. <laughs> You know, like Dylan, like all these different places where there's a lot of anger um, towards wolves or any, yeah. you know, um, wild kids. Yeah, we definitely wouldn't take the pack there. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, and the thing is, is you know, we realized, we started thinking uh, about a year and a half, two years ago when we were doing these school presentations and the kids were just getting so excited and wanting to know how they can volunteer and what can we do to advocate. And it, and we realized we're like getting up, giving them this, this presentation, getting them all excited and passionate, and then we leave with with no sustainable activities for them, nothing, you know. And we realized that that was doing them a huge disservice and wildlife a huge disservice. So we said, okay, so what can we do? So we did two things. Um, we decided, and we're, we're still in the think tank we're working with some principals and some administrators and some teachers right now, um, and we're talking about um, what we call the Apex Roundtable, which is engaging the kids with presentations and then bringing ambassadors from each school, student ambassadors, and then, of course, the faculty, parent, whatever it may be, getting together, you know, and we haven't decided if it's every month, every other month, whatever it may be, but really teaching them what is going on, and not sugarcoating everything. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be blood and gore, but <clears throat> teaching them what is actually going on with the wildlife, what is going on with wolves, and what do you think you, you know, and getting them to start critically thinking about how can you raise awareness, what do you want to do, and getting these kids together 
to talk about what they're going to do and teaching them how to have a voice and teaching them how to talk to their legislators at an age where by the time they're our age, it's a no-brainer. They've been doing it since they were, you know, in, in middle school and high school. But then going back so, to the schools and, and forming their forming own, their own club the oh, with amazing. the teachers. Yeah, that's a great and idea. Then coming back, yeah, then coming back together. After a couple of months and going, okay, so how did your bake sale go? How did your how did your you know outreach go at the farmers market? You know, and talking about was it was it effective? If not, you know, let's re let's regroup. That and then also, you know, so many kids want to help, and so many kids want to work on taking care of the pack. And I'm sure there's not a lot of exotic rescues, you know, rescues with wild animals where that's something that can easily be done. Right. Yeah, you got to talk about how we reach the kids in places like Montana. That's a question. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I'm enjoying this, and I love the round But here, I love the well, round I'm table. getting around to it. So, because I'm, I'm kind of building off of this, um, we started a junior volunteer program, um, ages eight to seventeen, and their parents come and they spend a day a month. You know, learning about the pack, learning about wolves in the wild, learning how to care for them. They wrote a letter to our, you know, state fish and wildlife. You know, so it's a little bit of learning about every aspect. So where I was going with this is that with the Apex Roundtable and with the Junior Volunteer Program, we want to start Zooming and Skyping with (coughs) other groups in the country, other student groups. And also, when you start thinking about, you know, we used to have pen pals. These guys are communicating, of course, over social media and Instagram and all that stuff. So reaching out, seeing kids in different parts of the country doing things that, you know, even if you believe it might not be right, you still are going to be watching these kids, saving wolves, loving these animals, wanting to protect them. It's going to start going to start kids in these in these areas where wolves are feared and hated thinking for themselves and questioning hmm why you know why why are wolves hated in my town or whatever it may be and we're hoping that it starts to affect them in that way because you certainly can't just march into these places and go hey i'd like to give a presentation about wolves to your science class in the school because they'll laugh at you and and <laughs> but maybe having science classes from their, or at least small groups of kids from there, talking to groups of kids from here. I mean, they do that in different countries nowadays, and you know, in in order to try and you know, hopefully create peace at some point. But just seeing what they have in common, you know, one of the things that we've noticed about talking to to ranchers or people that that don't or don't have the same style of life that we do is that we all have something in common, right? Mm-hmm. And so instead of talking about what we don't agree upon, let's start talking about what we do agree upon and kind of, you know, doing that with the kids too. Maybe they find something interesting, you know, and I, I, I don't think we can go straight to Darby, Montana and start having a <laughs> California kid talking to a Darby, Montana kid. You know, it's not going to work quite like that. No, but, but again, going back to the idea of a nationwide apex roundtable type of idea where groups of kids are talking to groups of kids, you know, and, and it, and the outreach is spreading farther and farther, you know, there's the possibility of reaching groups that may not have been exposed to that side of it. Yeah, for sure. Social media is absolutely out there. That's what everybody's got. I mean, these kids, this is their, this is their life. 
You know, like you said, you know, we had pen pals and you wrote letters and you put it in the mail. I know most kids don't know what that means, but, um, you know, know, you would do these things and, and now it's, it's instantaneous. And so having something that literally, you know, having that round table, as you said, that, that it's universal, you know, it can become a universal thing. And so, yeah, you would hit those, you know, those kids in Darby and, you know, it's just a one word algorithm, a lookup, right? To say wolves. Yeah, yeah it's exposure. And it's boom, it's, just, it's and, there. and here's the truth. I mean, the truth is, and I don't think anyone can deny this, we we are, you know, whether it's slower than we would like, we are evolving as a human race. And people even, you know, are becoming more sustainable. They're, they're more aware of what they need to do, producers of, of any kind of food, but, you know, especially in, in the meat industry, they're starting to be the younger ones anyway, more aware of being sustainable, more aware that people want organic this and organic that, and they want to be, you know, they don't want their wildlife killed. And, you know, you know, I joke sometimes with Mark, like, we just got to wait till everybody ages out, the new generation come in. But that's really, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of true. I mean, we have to change. And some of those places are kind of really on the outside, you know, they, they, they're, they're very close knit communities and they don't really listen too much to the outside, but eventually it's going to get in there. And eventually, you know, one person might change. When I was in Derby, Montana, one lady whispered to me, I love wolves, but don't tell my husband, (laughs) you know, but that's a fact. You don't tell the husband. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, but eventually those, you know, that husband is going to get old and he's not going to be around anymore. And his son's going to be there. And how, how, what is a different perspective his son or his daughter is going to have, you know? So it's those kids that we're aiming at. And I'm not even saying that we're going to manage this in in our lifetime, but if we can push back enough and, and keep things going, you know, eventually, you know, this idea of, you know, we, we have access, you know, we didn't have access, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Now we do, you know, so it's about utilizing that. And I'm sure some young genius millennial will join our crew and they'll have a really great way of, you know, doing that over the Internet or, or I figure, hope so. figuring that <laughs> great. <laughs> To get to people like this, I mean, it's only a matter of time, you know. And all of you genius millennials out there listening right now, (laughs) contact us. Yeah, come up with a great idea. Please go to (laughs) apexprotectionproject.org. Dot org. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you guys are great. You you know, you're going to be creating like the, 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 you know, Greta Thunbergs of you know, the wildlife advocacy. I think that's the whole point. These kids are, these kids are, 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 they're getting fed up and they're, they're smarter than most of us, you know, which is amazing to me. And so when you're reaching that out to them and you're giving them the information in a way that, that they grab it and it affects them. I think that's the biggest thing in advocacy alone that I've learned over the years is that, you know, as you were saying, Steve, you know, you can sit there and beat people over the head with facts, which is things we have to be as, as advocates that stand in front of Senate and so on and so forth, we have to be of very course, factual yeah. because if we even you remotely stray, automatically we're either too emotional or, more importantly, you know, if we, we stray off at all and uh, maybe embellish a little bit, we become incredibly uh, uh, discredited. They're literally, it's... Yeah, it's right. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to get away and have that emotion 
that is so important. We need to be emotional again. You know, we've kind of lost yeah. that in life. But kids do that. They grab it and they're like, wow, this is, it's tangible with you. So you yeah. give kids what is so missing, which is that ability to look a wolf in the eyes and touch yeah. that wolf and know that it is a creature. It's it's alive and it feels and it's And get a loving. big wet kiss from And get one. a big <laughs> sloppy wet kiss, which to me is the greatest thing ever. But so you guys are yeah. I think this round table is a great idea. I think it will reach and I hope you um you know we'll have to come back and talk about that when you've got it all ironed out and situated and we can do whatever we need to do to 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 help by all means because I think it's a great way yeah. and I think it's something that's necessary because you know reaching out to the world and saying we're losing our wildlife you know we're losing it at a rapid pace and we need to stop that and these kids have a tendency to get in front of the lawmakers and say as Greta does who she's my hero you know she she gets in front she's like what's wrong with you guys you're screwing (laughs) up and to have a kid call you out on your ignorance is pretty deafening they all listen. We can hear a pin drop. We can yeah. talk and talk and talk. As soon as the kid gets up, yeah, they, everybody stops. And, and that that's is, what we keep telling all of our kids. It's powerful. Speak up. Speak out. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm, I love it. I love your advocacy. I think it's great in your education. But I do want to move on a little bit because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> but... Um, well, actually, I you know even with the advocacy and with uh, education, Sedona Wolf Week. Um, you know, I had a um, an interview with uh, um, Betsy Klein with uh, you know um, our bestie. Your bestie, yeah, that's what she even she you guys you know Her she bestie Betsy. You guys are just amazing, an amazing force all together. But um, you know, we were talking about Sedona Wolf Week and and how amazing it's been and how it's grown in such an incredible way and that it's not a one-sided kumbaya love fest for wildlife but it literally is all encompassing um you know we've got ranchers there that are coming in and and talking about how they ranch in the country and so it's actually Mm -hmm. a great learning experience but it's also way 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 cool because you guys come in with the pack and, you know, the, the entire staff, which are just amazing people in general that you have, and, you know, all your volunteers, and you guys actually give presentations and talk about the pack, you know? So tell me a little bit, I, you know, we can kind of roll into this, but tell me a little bit about the pack. Um, tell me a little bit about how the public receives it, the pack and how things are with uh, Sedona Wolf Week and what your plans are this next season. Okay. Um, so, well, first of all, let's talk about, you know, how, how it happened. And I know that, you know, we listened to Betsy's uh, podcast, and we know um, that she talked about it. So we'll cover that a little bit, but maybe from a different a different angle. I mean, you know, like Betsy said, we, we, we were all volunteers, and Paula and I were staff members at the same place originally. And um, and we, we 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 knew Betsy, but we didn't know her that well at the time. And and she we, we sort of became friends right before she moved. No, right before she moved to um, to Sedona to to meet this mystery man, Timon. And yeah, so and then so she had invited us. Um, Thor and Loki were just pups at the time, and. 
she was uh, doing the she was trying to get the screening of of um medicine of the wolf medicine of the wolf um into the cinema there and she had asked if we could come out with Dora and Loki. And, you know, us being us said, well, why don't we bring the whole pack? Which at that <laughs> at time, time was only four, right? Well, yeah. we had Merlin, but he stayed behind. Yeah, Merlin stayed behind. He's too wild. He's not an ambassador. But <laughs> Kona, Boo, and the pups. And the pups. So we um, we decided to take all of them out there. And, uh, and we, you know, she I know she talked about a lot of this, but we did we did four showings the medicine and the wolf girl only supposed to be one, one. and uh, we were that... flabbergasted we honestly i think that we were all really taken aback um by how um how popular the film was and how people really wanted to see it yeah we did not expect that whatsoever we thought you know the theater holds like Betsy said 109 or something like that we thought we'd do one showing and that that would be accomplishment but after seeing you know and, and we did four showings and they wanted to do more we literally said no mainly because you know we have to always be very careful about the energy of the the wolves and wolf dogs and maybe we always want to make sure that they're comfortable in every situation and we felt like that was too much energy and too much work for them because they they come we we came out after every show on stage with, right. with oh yeah the we did a Q&A and did a Q&A so, um, with Julia uh, Huffman, who was the director, and uh, and she she at the time was was worn out because she'd been traveling all over. So we took the last two shows, I think, and she's like, "Can you guys go represent?" And you know, so we came out with the pack, and I think having the pack on stage and people being able to see them, and and our, and our guys are so great; they just lie around, and roll around, and fight with each other, like play fight with each they other, and like wrestle, make funny. people laugh, and put fur everywhere, and. It just becomes such an interactive kind of fun thing for the audience. And I had just come back from Montana at the time, um, so I had a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And Betsy, you know, just her her genius and, and timing with, with putting together events, and they're just, they're just magical at it. And they raised a bunch of money for Apex. And, you know, we got to know each other. I mean, we we knew each other before she left, but we just got to know each other, and then she left. And but but we spent that week in Sedona with them, and it was just wonderful. And one of the only places that would that would have we had about thirteen people with us, plus poor wolf dogs. And the only place we could ever go to eat was Poco Diablo Resort. Um, and they they were the only place that you could bring four wolf dogs and sit up. So they even have a doggy menu. So of course <laughs> we would go there every day and and sit on their balcony and and everyone was fascinated. People, no matter where you go with our pack or with any wolf dog, I guess it's the same for everybody. But um, people just stop and they want to talk. So it's it's always an opportunity to educate. So you never really have a relaxing time. It's not like you can just go chill. First of all, you got to stop the wolf dog from eating your food off the table, <laughs> and then you got to field everybody else that wants to pet them and talk about them. So it's a perfect opportunity for us to spread the word about wolves, right? Absolutely. So you know, people were coming over, and staff were coming over, and all of the guests were coming over, and it just created this whole scene of people, and it was like little mini wolf wolf presentations everywhere we went. And and I, my brother's girlfriend at the time said, "You guys should do." Uh, don't know the wolf week. Oh wow! And I, she I, I, saw look, I saw the look on Betsy's face. She was like, it was like this little bubble. Bing. And she was like, 
really? Really? <laughs> and it was kind of a joke, but not. Nah. And we all said, well, that's kind of a good idea. Next thing we know, Betsy's, I mean, she just went off, like, putting it together. And, and we we started working together. And, and that's how the first Sedona Wolfleet was born. It was just this incredible um, and it was such an amazing event. I mean, money was actually raised. I mean, it wasn't like we ended up broke at the end of yeah, it. it no. was, and we never expected it to be profitable. We we just wanted it to be an educational event. And we were hoping we would break even, obviously. But there was never any, like, intention of raising funds, you know, donations or anything. That was not the main the main goal of the event. And so far, we've been pretty pretty lucky. And this past year, we had Amaruk Weiss from the Center for Biological Diversity um, there speaking. Oh yes, yeah. I, I always tell her I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> but she she pulled me aside and she goes, uh, "What? How are you going to top this next year?" <laughs> and I looked at her and said, "I honestly have no idea." <laughs> <You> have <laughs> and a it's now. like all of the advocates that come, Amaruk and and. Um, you know, uh, why am I blanking right now? Rick me... and, and Carter. And yeah, talk Carter. About uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody who comes is always like, you know, uh, Mark. Um, they're always like, this is the best wolf advocacy event ever. This is so yeah. much fun because, again, you know. Um, we brought the hospitality and. Betsy the... and time yeah, and the skill set so and good. the wolves being there and the pack being there and. and all of that, it's the same thing. It's about making it, you know, accessible to everyone. I mean, not just the science. There's a lot of fun. There's there's kids events, you know, there's shows. We did we had America donated their time the first time into a concert. I did a magic show one time. I mean, yes, we try to did. encompass everything, um, and make it really, really fun for everybody involved. So so even even someone off the street who doesn't have you know who doesn't have wolves on their radar whatsoever can come in and go, oh that was really enjoyable and I learned something. You yeah, know? and I think that's what the four of us really sat down to talk about it. That's really what we all wanted, and it's it's just it really is just a fun fun event. But there's a lot of you know there's there's reality there too. Like you said, it's not just like a come by it's fun, but it's also the facts, you know, and, and you have to deal with it. And then there are ranchers and advocates together in the same room, which is, you know, and everybody feels comfortable because we can talk. Yeah, that's know, the beautiful really thing. Can. It's an open forum, I mean, my... and I think that's an, that's what I liked about it is that it wasn't what, you know, we're used to as advocates that sit in meetings and all that where you have the opposition, and it's, it's always that. This is literally um, let's sit down and talk about how – how we can benefit one another. In other words, how can how can the advocate help the rancher, you know, yeah. have a sustainable uh, um, living, and you know, a, a, and that's a beautiful thing because it is. It's very much let's meet in the middle and 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 talk about things. And it's Sedona Wolf. I just is awesome. wish Kim that the ranchers wouldn't be so um, hesitant to come because I think they'd yeah. be really pleasantly surprised. I and do too. That, I do too. You know, and, and to be able to fill that room with more ranchers mm-hmm. and, and for them to know they are not what we call opposition. Correct. We are all human beings and we are all trying to survive and we are all, we just want to build this bridge and have a conversation, like you said, 
and figure out how we can all get our needs met yep. in a way that, that makes sense and how we can support each other. And I think right? that's huge. And, and yep. to try and express that to people, they're so used to being bashed you know, by advocates that the last thing they want to do is, is come. And, and the ones who have come have been really amazed and, and changed. Um, so, you know, and I would I, just love to see more yeah. ranchers from all over the country come and just participate. Yeah, I wish you I, know, they, I, they'll I'm make hopeful. a lot of friends too. Huh? It's, it's, it's actually, you know, last year, um, you know, the, the turnout with, you know, there were more ranchers or, or, you know, in the audience, uh, or, yeah. you know, involved in there were the year before. So to me, I think it is getting out there and, yeah. you know, I think that's a big thing about being, um, you know, I mean, I, I was born and raised in Wyoming, you know, I, <laughs> I know what it is in, in that limelight. I know what that is to be a cowboy, what it is to be, you know, in that ranching community, all that kind of a thing. So I understand, I understand more than, you know, most people would probably like to give me credit. I just happen yeah. to love wildlife and believe that we can coexist. And so when we yeah. have these ranchers up there like Joe, who actually do coexist and right. it's not, you know, it's, it's just, he doesn't look at a wolf as a big fuzzy creature. He's like, it's a wolf and yeah. I'm a rancher. And yeah. this is what we do in order to ranch in wild country without having to kill the wildlife. And there right. are occasions yep. where this may have to happen, but this is what we do. And so it's, literally giving tools to other ranchers coming from a rancher. And I think that's really a very important thing is that it's coming. Yeah. From we work. certainly don't expect people to think that ranchers are, I mean, we don't expect ranchers to think, Oh, wolves are such snuggly, no. wonderful beings. You know, they're my spirit. So we did have some ranchers, uh, kids hanging out with the pack this year. Yeah, we did. Which is awesome. That was neat. I mean, I yeah. think we should all, you don't have to hate anybody we shouldn't hate anyone we all like you said paula we all have uh we all have a life and and we have to find a way to sustain that and and um you know your your actors they're ranchers you know we're all we all have a different kind of feel in life but it's all about sustainability and um, to try to do the best we can and if we can help each other get to that i think that's um that's really kind of nice, you know, to be able to help one another. And that's kind of what Sedona is about, in my opinion, and it really does bring people yeah, together. Yeah. For me, I think it was important, you know, after, you know, meeting Mark Cook and Casey York in, in Montana by way back when, when I was there, and we can talk about that later. But but um, when I was there, one of the things they both said to me was, like, I feel like we live in a vacuum and yeah. the rest of the world doesn't know what we do. So bringing them to Sedona Wolf Week was probably the most important thing for me was to give give a voice and or at least you give know give them a platform, give them to, a platform yeah. to, mm-hmm. to talk to about share what they need and, and what was going on out there and, and I think, you know, hope that it's helped them a lot, um, because yeah. more and more people are aware of their plight. I mean you know, they fight on the front lines like every day. So I'm just going to, I want to interject really quick. When we're talking about Mark, we're talking about Mark Cook with Wolves of the Rockies. Wolves of the Rockies. And, and, yeah, and, and Casey you know, York you, with yep. Trap Free Montana. And so, yeah. Trap Free Montana Public Lands, who I also did a podcast with. And someday I'll do it with my buddy, Mark. But, you know, right now we've got other things to fry. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah. But, I, yeah, I mean, being giving, giving them a platform. Um, it was really important because, you know, I, I saw 
for myself with my own eyes what they go through every single day. And yeah, we can be out here doing our stuff and talking to kids and blah, 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 but they're... That concludes part one of our interview, but let me tell you a little bit about part two. If you want to learn about rescues and infiltrating the trapping industry in Montana, well, interview part two is a little intense, and oddly enough, it's somehow funny, too. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening to All Things Wolf and Wild.